0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Monday, January 2nd. Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander with me. We got a a lot of stuff to get to after a wild weekend of college basketball. Villanova uh, stayed unbeaten and top-ranked with a win at Creighton. Florida State won at Virginia. North Carolina Lost at Georgia Tech. Nebraska moved to 2-0 and in the Big Ten with a win at Maryland by closing on a 14-0 run. Uh, Minnesota won at Purdue. Uh, Markel Fultz and his Washington teammates lost uh, to Washington State. So there were a lot of, like I said, wild uh, results. But I wanted to start with the preseason number one team, and that's the Duke Blue Devils, who got handled uh, fairly easily at Virginia Tech on Saturday. To be clear, this wasn't a massive upset like, North Carolina losing at Georgia Tech, massive upset. You know, Virginia Tech closed at, like, a, a four-point underdog. So there's nothing crazy about Virginia Tech beating Duke in Blacksburg. But still, you know, Buzz's team uh, handled them basically from from tip to buzzer. Uh, Matt Norlander, you wrote about that game. Of course, it was the first game Duke played without Grayson Allen. Uh, what did you make of, of Duke's performance? And uh, is it the type of thing that makes you
1: change any long-term projections about coach k's team the game was alarming because i did not think this team with mike coaching and this personnel would look as bad uh and carefree on defense it was bizarre now tech played a good game and buzz and his his staff scouted well they were they were definitely prepared for duke to have had more than a week off and to look so unprepared was surprising to me even if grayson was on the floor in that game i still don't think they they're able to beat uh, tech see a lot of it was like tech was able to there were so many plays where it, like they just had open looks near the rim it was bizarre and duke's not you know they're not are they an elite team on the interior absolutely not right now cuz giles is still coming along mark Reese bolden is hitting something of a wall here because he's not getting as many minutes as I thought that maybe he should have given he should be fully healthy. Jefferson's been very, very good, but he can't just be everything down low. So for Tech to have done what it did and the style it did was impressive. We both picked uh, the Hokies to cover. I was expecting a pretty close game. It really wasn't that. Big picture GP, I still, you know, I was critical of Duke's defense, but I did say, you know, I still consider this team, to have the potential to be the best in the country on a, from a player by player talent standpoint, I still think Duke has the most talent of any team in the country. My opinion has not changed on that and probably won't change. Uh, Cause what they have is extremely good, but can they, can they be more consistent than this? Now we're going to, at least now we're going to start paying attention to what they do in league play here. Cause it was the league opener on the road against a team. That's probably going to be in the NCAA tournament. There's really no reason to believe that tech won't get there fi- in the first year, with Buzz, his third season at the school. But if we see something like this again from Duke, because it is only the team's second loss, and the first one came in the closing seconds to Kansas on a neutral Madison Square Garden. So no reason to to have any sort of like huge knee-jerk, okay, Duke's not an elite team, let's wait on that. But it was alarming to me that tech did what it wanted to do. And Duke just didn't seem to play with any sort of pride or, or sense of awareness on defense for a lot of that game.
0: Yeah. you know, And I, th- I think your larger point is, is accurate. Um, anytime Duke loses, particularly anytime Duke gets run off the court, um, you know, people start to ask big questions and draw grand conclusions. You know, I, I heard some people over the weekend say, you know, Duke, you know, Duke's struggling. Well, Duke's won 10 of its last 11 games. You know, like it, and the lone loss was Saturday at Virginia tech, which Let's be honest. Like how many teams are going to win at Virginia Tech this year? Like like maybe none, right? I mean, I, I think somebody will go in there and win. It's, I, I don't want to uh, pretend that it's Allen Fieldhouse all of a sudden. But, you know, no. I think when we look back on March, there's going to be nothing shameful about losing at Virginia Tech. A lot of good teams are going to lose at Virginia Tech. But the way it happened is is concerning. Uh, they didn't guard at all. You know, Virginia Tech shot 55% from, from the field. I mean, like fifty-five percent from from the field against Duke, against a Duke team with with future pros all over the court, like that that shouldn't happen. And Duke is now ranked outside of the top twenty in defensive efficiency, I believe. Um, the issues, though, are you go back and start, you know, thinking about why Duke was the consensus number one team in America and projected to win, uh, you know, the national championship, and a lot of it was rooted in. They've got preseason national player of the year, Grayson Allen. They've got possible future number one overall pick, Harry Giles. They've got, you know, fellow five-star forward, Marquise Bolden. And you fast forward to January 2nd, and here's what we know. Grayson hasn't been great this year. And right now, he's not even in uniform. Uh, Harry Giles doesn't, like, yeah, I like he can still be one and done, I guess, and somebody I'll draft him somewhere based on potential and all that. But he's not a good basketball player right now. Um... You know, me living in Memphis, like watching him reminds me a little bit of like watching Chandler Parsons right now. Like Chandler has done great things and might do great things. But, you know, coming off of multiple knee surgeries, like you watch Chandler Parsons play right now. And he he, he doesn't look like he belongs on the court, you know, much. Um, Harry Giles doesn't look like he belongs on the court much. And, you know, I, I think it's important to know it's not this that he finished with four points. It's that he only played 13 minutes. Like, they, they, they don't want him on the court a whole lot right now. Now, some of it is minutes restriction stuff, but some of it is because he's not one of their best players. And, and then Bolden, like you said, I don't know if he's hit a wall or if he's just caught in a numbers game or if he's just not as good as, as, you know, as, as some people thought or at least not ready to contribute at the high major level uh, like you would hope. But you start talking about how many first-round picks did we think Duke had in the preseason? You know, is it Giles, Tatum, Bolden, Grayson Allen? Like, that's probably the four yeah. people would have said, right, in yeah. the preseason. Now the people will throw canard in that conversation, and I think for good reason. Um, but in the preseason, base, you know, the number one team in the country has got four projected first-round draft picks. Who are they? Grayson Allen, Jason Tatum, Harry Giles, Marquise Bolden. Well, Grayson Allen's suspended. Harry Giles is still obviously a work in progress. And Bolden, you know, it—, it, it, it it's barely playing. So, like, this isn't the Duke team we expected to see. Can they still go do the whole thing? Absolutely. And, and it, honestly, if you ask me to pick a national champion right now, I'd probably still pick them. But, uh, you know, it, 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 their their season has already um, uh, encountered more adversity than I think Coach K or, or anybody on that staff would have wanted.
1: It's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I won't overreact. Right. But the Giles thing yeah, I want to give him one more game just to see how they use him, what he does. He's he's not showing the kind of player that we know he is. So to me, that's the most interesting aspect of the next game. Grayson almost certainly will not be on the floor. And that is against Georgia Tech, who, of course, uh, took out Carolina. So we'll see. Bolden, I think, has some issues with the defensive concepts. I don't think he is good at switching. I think, yes, he has, he has trouble. Uh, playing in screen and roll games and stuff like that. So we'll we'll see. Um, this could be a blip. You never know. If if Duke reels off, you know, seven straight Ws, then it is what it is, and they'll they'll be right there at the forefront of the conversation for best team in America. But to me, GP, the 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 tech loss was so much worse for Carolina. Like Duke, I guess in 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 some ways just was more frustrating because you just rarely see a team of K's not play with that sort of energy and focus on defense. But Carolina is so much better. The gap between Carolina and Tech is so much bigger than the gap between Duke and and Virginia Tech. So for Georgia Tech to to win the way it did, hey, listen, good on Josh Pastner. Right now it's looking like the change of scenery was terrific for him, and this is a team that wasn't expected to be that great. And it's not a great team. It's not even a really good team, no doubt about it. But he is at least – uh already, like like you wouldn't want to lose every single game the rest of the season. But like what he's done to this point is already a season's worth of accomplishments for a first year coach at a spot like that. So good on Passner for at least getting some momentum like this and and landing one of the biggest wins of the season because I still believe in Carolina as a top ten team, but it's that's that's a weird one. I mean, I I, I don't quite get and and to be totally honest, I was I was on you know watching Duke Virginia Tech. I had to write a column, so I got to that game, that Carolina Tech game, with about five minutes to go on a second screen and watched the rest. So I did not see the first thirty minutes of the game or so. So I don't know quite know how they did it, but it's it's bizarre, man. that's well, that's a that's a that's a stain on Carolina's resume.
0: Well, I was uh, I was streaming the game. See, it, was, it wasn't even like on actual television. You know, so like it was on the Watch ESPN app. So I was streaming the game. And as you're watching it, it looks like, all right, early tip on the road, you know, against a team that was picked 14th in the ACC uh, heading into new year. Like just the, your tip, all the, all the boxes that sometimes gets checked where you just, you you don't come out with intensity, like already thinking about, all right, what time are we going to get back to Chapel Hill? You know, what's going on for New Year's Eve? Like all the stuff that, um, you know, that, that, Young people might run into like I can even remember being a high school baseball player and and think you know in you know having a game one time against a, a what appeared to be an outmanned opponent and there was like a big party like back at home that you know that night and it was like all right if we can run rule these guys and get this over with in five innings then like we can get back to home by this time we can get to the party like I, as I was watching I was reminded of that moment we didn't lose the game but like it, sometimes your priorities aren't always what they're supposed to be. And that's what it looked like as you were watching North Carolina, Georgia Tech. Like, you know, they just, they're focused on other things. They didn't take this game seriously. Um, but then they'll just flip a switch and and run away. And in fact, Georgia Tech ran away. You know, like, like, Georgia Tech ended up winning by double digits, not North Carolina. Like, even with 10 minutes to go, I would have said North Carolina still wins by double digits. And instead, Georgia Tech wins by double digits. And so, um, you're absolutely right. Like, Duke, the Duke loss got all the attention because it was actually on television, like, people were watching it. I don't know how many people are actually watching North Carolina, Georgia Tech outside of the you know North Carolina market in the Atlanta market. Um, whereas, you know, Duke, Virginia Tech was on every television uh, in every bar in America. So that one got the most attention, but it ain't even close. Like what was the bigger upset? Like like we said, Duke was a four point favorite and lost at Virginia Tech, lost to a team that's probably going to be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, North Carolina was an 18 point favorite and lost by 12. That's a 30 point differential. Like you, you know, there are places that track this kind of stuff, but I you won't see many of those. Uh, somebody that's favored by eight, a 30 point difference in point spread to actual result. And so, uh, yeah, listen, I still think North Carolina can achieve everything that I thought it would achieve, uh, or or at least I thought was capable. But that is the type of loss that can cost you a regular season title because you know you when you play in a league like this where you know every other game it feels like is against a ranked opponent or something close to a ranked opponent. Um, you you gotta you gotta put the ones that you're supposed to get no matter what in your back pocket, and that's a missed opportunity for them. By definition, Carolina is going to finish with one fewer ACC win than it was supposed to, and so that was a a, a troubling result for for the Tar Heels. But like you said at the top. Uh, good for Josh Pastner. Uh, you know, he—I uh, I don't know that any coach, um, who had been mostly successful throughout his career, endured as much criticism the past two years from his own fan base um, than Josh did. I mean, like you know, Tom Crean would be up there, Steve Alford would obviously be up there, but like Josh is right there in that conversation. Um, you know, to the point where he took a, a an inferior job just to to, to parachute out of uh, Memphis. And it was great for him. I think probably great for Memphis as well, uh, just because everybody needed a fresh start. But to see him have that moment after so many bad moments over the past couple of years, uh, yeah, good for him because uh, he's a genuinely good man who, who uh, you know, has really been through it, uh, for, at least from a professional perspective over the past couple of years. So, um, in in that sense, it was nice to see him have that moment.
1: I agree. And so right now, Parrish. Take a snapshot of the ACC standings right now because this is not going to be how it plays out. But um, the ACC only has two teams in the 100s or worse in Ken Palm. They are Georgia Tech and Boston College, both of whom are ahead of the standings in the standings against the likes of Virginia, Duke, Carolina. This is how it: Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Miami, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Boston College, all in the top half of the league have not lost a league game yet. Virginia's the only team that's won and lost a game. And then the bottom half, Duke, Carolina, Cuse, Louisville, Pittsburgh, even NC State, which I think will be a pretty good team by the seasons and then, and then Wake Forest. So just funkiness there in the ACC. And I don't know if you want to transition to the Big Ten or not, but the Big Ten looks just weird as hell right now. It was It was a bizarre, interesting intriguing weekend for college basketball overall because we had some very unexpected upsets even for like Virginia to lose to Florida State the way that it did it came back it got I think it was Kyle guy that hit the three with you know 10 seconds or so to go they finally you know they go on like a 7-0 run and that's just an instance where 98% of the time Virginia is going to win that game because they just smother you and then Dwayne Bacon hits comes down the floor hits a tough three from the wing Gets the lead back. Florida State wins. That was baller. I don't. I don't know the last time a player a player put up 26 and a half on Virginia. Teams struggled, score 26 on Virginia and a half. That's not an exaggeration. So it was very bizarre to see UVA, Duke, Carolina all go down. The ACC looks weird, but the Big Ten is also
0: yeah. To to your point, you look at the league standings right now, and it's just a snapshot based somewhat on you know, the way the first week of league play schedules were uh, laid out. Uh, But uh, first place in the ACC right now is Florida State, followed by Clemson, followed by Notre Dame, followed by Miami, followed by Virginia Tech, followed by Georgia Tech, followed by Boston College. (laughs) Those are all uh, those schools, Georgia Tech, Boston College. Let's just focus on those two. They were picked 14th and 15th in the ACC preseason poll. They are now tied for second in the ACC ahead of Virginia, ahead of Duke, ahead of North Carolina, ahead of Louisville, and ahead of Syracuse, which, by the way, uh, like lost again to Boston College. Like, this is, and let
1: Boston College put up 96 points.
0: Like This is going to end up being one of Jim Boeheim's uh, worst teams. Um, so, yeah, I don't listen. I think by the time we get to March, the ACC standings will look about like we expected them to look, give or take a team here or there. Uh, but right now, if you just look at like you just look at the standings page and you look at the teams at the top and then look at the teams in the middle and the teams at the bottom, like it, it looks backwards. It looks like you're looking at it from the wrong perspective in the Big Ten. How about this? Uh, there are two teams at the top of the standings tied for first. One is a Michigan state team that struggled, struggled, struggled in the non-league portion of its schedule, but they're two and zero. and the other one's Nebraska two and zero in big 10 play with two road wins at Indiana. And then at Maryland yesterday in a game that I was actually watching and was just bizarre because Nebraska jumped on Maryland early, but then Maryland kept hanging around and then Maryland got a lead and then took it up to like 13 points. And you just assume that the game's over. Like, you know, okay, maybe Maryland covers or doesn't cover, but, like, there was no way Maryland wasn't going to win the game. And then Nebraska closes on a 14-0 run, wins the game. And so Tim Miles, 2-0 at Nebraska. And then, of course, Minnesota uh, last night gets a win at Purdue. Talking about big upsets, they were, I think, a 14-point underdog, end up winning in overtime. So that was another big uh, differential between point spread and actual result. Uh, so, Indiana sitting here 0-1 in the Big Ten. Um, Ohio State 0-1 in the Big Ten. Uh, but Michigan State 2-0. Nebraska 2-0. Uh, so, those standings are a little uh, unusual as well.
1: There, yeah. So, the, to me, the Minnesota win, and full disclosure, shout-out to my brother Chris who got engaged yesterday morning. Shout-out so, to Chris. Shout-out to Devin we, Downey. There we go. Absolutely. Shout-out to Chris. Shout-out to Devin Downey. Shout-out to my – uh, sister-in-law to be Lauren, so uh, he actually he he pulled a fast one. She was thinking that it was going to happen Christmas, if not that, then surely New Year's Eve. He waited until New Year's Day, got it done. But because of all that, I had an engagement party to go to, so full disclosure, I did not see the Nebraska win, and I did not see the Minnesota win. They are both uh, just shocking, um, specifically Minnesota, who is, listen, they're off to a terrific start, Uh, The win on the road against a really, really impressive Purdue team is uh, – it's weird to me. And and Caleb Swanigan continues to be good. I'm going to have something on him later this week. He had another 20-20 and game. I mean, he is is a stat monster. He has been terrific. But right now, the Big Ten, it's just super intriguing. Let's see what happens in the next week and a half, two weeks here because – yeah, Michigan State, you know, just it's it's really early GP, but just, you know, they're already out to a nice 2-0 and start. Wisconsin's 1-0 that they, they got plenty of time to to show that they are clearly the best team. We'll see. They've got a very interesting game against Indiana. And now Indiana obviously has some urgency to that game because the Hoosiers have in a hurry gone from what they were 8-1 and at one point to now 10-4. and They've lost two in a row, including a game in Nebraska. Didn't look great against Louisville on Saturday on a neutral court. So now Indiana's got not a must-win, but I would say a must-win in terms of if they lose the game, they're not going to win the Big Ten regular season. As, far as weird as the Big Ten is, I just don't see Indiana getting off to an 0-2 start and being able to recover from that to win the league. So it should be pretty, pretty intriguing um, over the next 7 to 10 days in this conference because I think we'll get some more weird results, GP. And I don't know if we'll have any sort of defined tiered system within the, within the conference because Saturday and Sunday's results really put everything into a jamble.
0: Uh, I want to look ahead uh, before we get out of here, but first uh, let me tell you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a compu- confusing process for uh, a long, long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or for that show that you want to attend. And and none of the older ticket sites uh, have seemed willing to want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've created An amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Seageek is always the first place I go uh, to buy tickets for for games or concerts. And it should be uh, the place that you go as well. Because Seageek, they do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites uh, to ensure you get the best possible deal. In other words, they do all the work. You save time and money. And if you use the promo code COLLEGEBB, that's COLLEGEBB, uh, you'll get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So get on that. Download the SeatGeek app, purchase tickets, use the promo code collegeBB, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, the promo code is collegeBB. That's SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. There aren't a lot of uh great games this week. By great, I mean. Uh, I should probably rephrase. There aren't many games between two ranked schools uh, this week, but we do get a great one on Wednesday night, and it's Villanova at Butler. You you would think that uh, if you were Jay Wright, you'd like to after getting a a victory at Creighton over the weekend, which was just impressive on a on a variety of levels because you know they took shot after shot from Creighton. You know they're playing in front of eighteen thousand people on the road. Uh, they've got an opportunity to. In uh, her the 2017 calendar year, undefeated in this season, finished the 2016 calendar year with a 38 and, and three record. And when they need to make shots, like you know Josh Hart's making a shot, you know Jalen Brunson you know uh, went big, uh, outplayed Maurice Watson. You'd like to get a little bit of a breather, and yet nope, back on the road, uh, this time to Hinkle Fieldhouse, another sold out arena, uh, another hostile environment. Uh, another real challenge like they might be a slight favorite you know 1.0 point favorite but that's it i mean it, it's a coin flip of a game and so uh, there aren't many of those uh, ranked team against ranked team matchups this week but certainly the one we're going to get on Wednesday between uh, Villanova and Butler is is uh, is one to pay attention to i can't wait for that one
1: yeah i'll wrap up with that so real quick so tuesday just UNC at Clemson. Keep an eye on it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll almost definitely talk about that on the next podcast because it is a road game for Carolina coming off the loss. West Virginia, Texas Tech, if Tech wins, that one we will really start having to pay attention to them. And overall, just to look at the Big 12, because West Virginia looks I mean, it, it had no issues going into Oklahoma State, uh, you know, a solid OSU team. And then Wisconsin at Indiana is the big game on Tuesday. Just keep an eye on that one uh, because Indiana needs it. But, yeah, Wednesday, without a doubt, Villanova-Butler, Louisville at Notre Dame. Notre Dame wins that. It'll really do really wonders for its resume. Nova, it was good for the Big East. Creighton played well. Might have been a little too small for the moment, those closing moments. Um, Nova just looked like it had better composure. Uh, it, you know, it just looks like the Big East best team, and that, and that's a fine they, thing.
0: You're, the point you just made is is I think spot on. They are very comfortable in that moment. Like they 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 look very comfortable. And why wouldn't they be? I mean, they were in the biggest moments of last season, like you know, final minute, you know, national championship on the line, and like that worked out well. Um, and 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 they've been you know on the road at Purdue, you know, tight game the, earlier this season. They I don't want to say that Creighton looked uncomfortable in the moment, but like that's what struck me more than anything about the way Villanova closed that they just
1: they looked very comfortable in a moment that makes a lot of teams uncomfortable. Without a doubt. And it's why and I know we've talked about it here and there on the podcast, but I feel like nationally, the prospect of Villanova winning back to back titles hasn't like truly been something that's been out there. I feel if. Any, any blue blood school had won last year's title and brought back the same elements to a roster and had you know a really, really good coach. It would be a more dominating storyline through the first six, seven weeks of the season and, and from you know the preseason on. It's been out there, GP, and maybe my perspective is wrong and you disagree. But I, I don't feel like people are – there's just something about it where they're not really totally saying – and maybe it's because obviously there's been so many good teams this year at the top. But when you look at Carolina, you know, falling on his face at Tech, uh, Georgia Tech, and and Duke, you know, getting run by Virginia Tech, and Kentucky has nights where it can't seem to, you know, hit the ball from beyond the three-point arc. UCLA goes down to an Oregon team. Um, maybe when you look at all that and you see how Villanova, which has played a legitimate schedule, still isn't faltering, we should just. You know, acknowledge that this is something very much on the table here, and it's hard to do. The tournament is its own beast unto itself. But at this point, Villanova winning another title two years in a row is something that's very much a reality. And I think that conversation will pick up, especially if they win at Butler. And as we get to mid-January, I think you'll hear more and more about that. Because, by the way, they're still undefeated. They still have not lost. Right since they played in the final of the Big East Championship game against Seton Hall.
0: It's been more than nine months. Uh, To your point, like if Kentucky had won a national championship last year and was undefeated and ranked number one on January 2nd, it would be the dominant storyline in college basketball. Is John Calipari about to go back-to-back? If Duke had won the championship last year and was undefeated and ranked number one on January 2nd, it would be the dominant story in college basketball. Is Coach K going back-to-back? And yet Villanova, with a very real chance to go back to back is not the dominant story in college basketball, you know, it's, it's either, um, you know, Grayson Allen or, or, um, you know, for, for a little while it was UCLA, you know, and Lonzo ball, but like Villanova has never been the dominant story in college basketball this season, even though they, they probably should, because uh, listen, I, I, there's, there's, they're, they're not, they're not the favorite to win the national championship according to Las Vegas odds makers. And I understand why, because there are teams that are obviously and undeniably more talented than them. You know, Duke and Kentucky being, you know, two, perhaps there's more, but we know there's two. Um, But I will say this, like Villanova wasn't the most talented team in the country last year either. And they got it done. And so I I don't know if a bracket came out the day that I'd pick them, uh, but they'd be, they'd have to be one of the teams you seriously consider because um, you know, they've won at Purdue. They've won at Creighton. They've beaten everybody else. And, uh, you know, they Duke, you know, Duke, Duke has lost a game worse than a game at Creighton, you know, Kentucky has lost a game worse than, uh, you know, a, a, a win at Purdue, a game at Purdue. My point being Villanova has done things that's that basically every other team in the country outside of Baylor, I guess, has, has, has shown themselves unable to do. And so that, that's worth something. I, I don't know that it should make us reevaluate exactly what we think is possible long-term, but absolutely, if you're putting together a short list of, of teams that are capable of winning the 2017 National Championship, Villanova has to be on that list. Whether you had them there in the beginning, um, I think it's irrelevant now because this is clearly a, a high-level college basketball team led by Josh Hart, who is probably going to be, or at least he's on track to be, I should say, uh, Villanova's first-ever national player of the year. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Uh, thank you all for listening. Again, Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Till then, take care.